Welcome to the I Will Come to Fight podcast. This is episode five. Um, this week I have with me Mr. Amrik Bisler. How are you doing? Good. He nailed my name. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's always a test of it, whether it's going to be a good podcast or not. Yeah, it's um, a good start. Yeah. Amrik, is, you're 23. 23, That's yeah. mad. That's mad that you're younger than me. You're like really? seven feet tall, <laughs> built like a brick shit house. Um, Amrik is a jiu-jitsu... What, 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 how would you describe... I, I say jiu-jitsu cap, but that's because... I'm a nerd. Um, what, what do you tell people? Just a jiu-jitsu player, competitor. competitor. Yeah. People say player as well. It sort of varies. Fighter sometimes. Fighter. It just sort of, you know, whatever you fancy, really. Do you see it? Do you, do you <clears throat> see yourself as a fighter? Um, oh, starting deep, uh, big topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in yeah, in a way, you could say that. I mean, I sort of just mix up the terms every now and again. Like sometimes. Say, like, leading up to a competition, I'll say, like, yeah, I've got, like, fights coming up or, you know, talking about a competition, I had X many fights or matches. It, it just sort of varies. So, in that sense, you could sort of refer me as a fighter, but it, I don't really, doesn't bother me too much, I would say. Um, we could just say fighting, though, for uh, for purposes, for, like, ease purposes, I suppose. <laughs> I think, I, I, I think jiu-jitsu players are fighters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just got your purple belt. Yeah, I did actually. That's mad. I'm, I'm pretty, so yeah. happy that that happened today. I, I know. Mean, tell 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 me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I wasn't. I don't know if I'll say like I was fully expecting it. Um, I had like a small inkling though. Like, so I got plans. I'm like competing on Sunday, at a, like a competition down in London, and then I got a message on Wednesday from my coach Sean in Nottingham. And he was just asking me, like, uh, just saying, like, hey, man, are you coming down Friday? Um, like, Victor's going to be there. Like, he asked for you and a few other guys as well. And usually, like, you sort of know, when when you lean up to, like, a jiu-jitsu competition, it kind of depends on the day, but if it's Saturday or Sunday, you wouldn't really train past, sort of, Wednesday or Thursday. That would be sort of your cut-off point and just sort of, you know, rest in the rest of the days. So I kind of thought, he knows that. So I don't know whether he just... Maybe because, you know, Victor's just visiting right now because he doesn't um, doesn't live here anymore. So it could just be for that. Like, he wanted to see us and he wanted to go for, like, food afterwards. So I was like, yeah, cool. Um, you know, I wasn't planning to, but I'll come down for a bit. I'll, you know, I won't train super hard, but just sort of get a little bit loose. And you just say, like, yeah, that's great. So turned up on the day, like, turned up today and... Um, yeah, just normal session. Uh, everything was going as, as sort of normal. Seeing some drilling and stuff. And then, you know, near the end, like, <laughs> near the end of the class, like, when we were doing one of our rounds, I seen him, like, he went downstairs and he came back up and he had, like, a black bag in his hand or something. And, like, I kind of thought, like, hmm, what's that bag doing over there? And um, then, yeah, like, at the end of the round, he just sort of, you know, started speaking to us and just talking in general and then um yeah like pulled out my belt and promoted me and then promoted another one of my like training partners charlie as well to brown belt so uh yeah it was a really good day like a good day for the the gym overall i'd say and uh yeah just chuffed i suppose so who are your main coaches at the minute then because obviously i know you you do train with victor occasionally is that right yeah so uh, now victor's moved he's moved to portugal so he lives there like pretty much full-time um like for different reasons and now, like in terms of comp classes that I do in Nottingham, so I do three comp classes a week: uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And um, a coach there, Sean, Sean Coates, he heads up the classes. Um, you know, really experienced guy. I think he's like medaled at like the world championships. I think three times, uh, like a 
I don't know, like a seven, maybe eight-time British champion. Um, you know, competed throughout his coloured belts. Now he's a black belt. Um, so, yeah, like a really high level. Uh, he sort of heads the sessions now. And then, um, yeah, obviously in Coventry, we've got like James, who takes some of the no-gi classes. Raj takes some of the gi classes. So, uh, yeah, just those sort of guys. So you grew up in, in Coventry. Yeah, yeah, um, born and bred. What, what, uh, what made you start training in Nottingham then? So I think the main thing was when I moved to university. So, um, God, I can't even think of the year now. I think it was like 2016-ish, 17, something like that. Um, yeah, I moved to Nottingham, Nottingham Trent for uni. And uh, I was living there for three years. And then... I knew a gym there already. This was still when I was doing striking and more like MMA focused. So I started training at like a gym there and, um, you know, I was there for a little bit. And then I think around that sort of uni time as well, like a few months in, then I started shifting my focus towards jiu-jitsu a little bit more. So then with that, you know, with Gracie Baja being at like Gracie Baja Nottingham being there and I'd heard about it before anyway, you know, like Victor Estima, you know, like one of the biggest names I'd say in jiu-jitsu especially like in the UK as well um it was only sort of natural for me to like go and start training there as well so yeah that was um that was it and I suppose now as well I'm living back in Coventry but I think you know like the the ties and stuff I've made there over the years it's just um you know it's good to keep that going as well like I really enjoy the training there it's a really high level um all the guys there like compete and you know are very successful on the higher stage um so yeah, it's uh, you know I try and get down there all, all the times I can. Was uh, was Nottingham the first place you trained in then, or had you trained in Coventry before? Yeah, yeah. So I trained in Coventry before. So I mean, if you want to, if you want me to run through the journey, yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah. So I think I was about twelve when I started like karate. It was um, I say karate because it was kind of like a mixture of martial arts, which I was doing. You know, we had like like our katas and our forms. We had like sparring. And then we had, like, other elements as well, like, maybe, like, a very small bit of, like, grappling we did there as well. So it was kind of like a combination, but, you know, predominantly you could say it was karate. I did that at a place in Coventry um, from when I was 12. And a year into that is when I started doing MMA as well, because they did MMA at the same gym. So I started picking that, that up as well when I was 13. Which which gym is this? Uh, this is uh, Atomic Black Belt Academy. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, it was the same one that James was at. Uh, really? James, yeah, James actually went there. I didn't find this out until I um, moved to Lions, but he said, yeah, he was there. I don't know for how long exactly, but obviously, you know, made the switch as well. Um, so then, yeah, I was there from when I was 12. I think I got my black belt when I was, I think it was like 15 or something like that. Um, and then I sort of dropped the karate side. I just stayed focused on MMA. And then um, when I was 16, like I had one of the first uh, hybrid fights, was it? Yeah. The Sanchal fights. So that would have been versus uh, Johnny Gilbert? That's the one, yeah. Um, Impact. I like, have you been to Impact? Yes, I have actually. I went once a couple of years ago for, because Vince runs Vince, it, right? Yeah, runs, yeah. Runs the jiu-jitsu. So I went for like an open mat on a, one of the Sundays. Yeah, it's a nice, nice gym. Anyway, so you had that. Yeah, so I had that. Um, that was like my first... Um, I did like karate tournaments before that, you know, the more traditional style, like uh, points and like continuous sparring. They were the main things I was doing before. And, um, you know, that was going well, but I think I wanted to like try my hand at something different. So then I was looking at this and uh, I don't actually know how it fully came about because I believe... The guy that Johnny Gilbert was originally supposed to be fighting, like, like pulled out or something like that. And um, 
I don't know if I just threw my name in the hat or something like that, but, you know, long story short, I ended up getting the fight against him. And what was really weird was that I'm sure I was, like, looking at his, like, Insta and stuff like that, like, slightly before. Because i seen, like, you know, he was doing quite well. Like, he did loads of, like, kickboxing and stuff before and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I sort of knew of him before. And I think I even remember saying in my head, like, I was like, damn, man, like, imagine fighting that guy sort of thing. Like, I was sort of... I wouldn't say looking up to him, but it was just one of those that he looked at and thought, okay, like, you know, he's doing quite well. Um, so then, yeah, that fight got put together and um, I was still training at the uh, the old gym, Atomic, at that time. And um, then, yeah, leading up to the fight, you know, it was just a crazy experience because it's nothing, you know, even similar to, like, the other things I was doing with the karate tournaments. So that came about and then, um, yeah, just went into that fight. It was in Leicester as well, so it was where he was from. I remember that he brought, like, a lot of like supporters and stuff and then it was literally like I think it was just my family actually a few of my mates came as well probably like four or five of my mates as well and like a couple guys from the gym and that was it and then he had like majority of the people there for him so it was a really crazy sort of experience and then to go through that and like you know came out the other end quite well like I won that fight and uh you know yeah it's just something I can always look back on and think wow like so yeah what was interesting about that fight was um how already, even though you weren't yet like the jiu-jitsu guy you are now, you, mm. you were just out grappling him yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know exactly like what was my game plan going in because I knew obviously he was like more a kickboxer, a striker from what I'd seen. So I thought maybe because of the rule set, it might have been good to maybe take him down, wear him out. And, you know, I suppose that did work out in the end. But... um. Yeah, like, it was... I do remember the fight being quite tough. Like, he was hitting me with good shots and, like, you know, he obviously had really good kicks as well because he, he was quite, like, tall and yes. lanky, similar to me as well. Um, I think he was even taller than he me, was, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, it was um, definitely similar height, if not taller. So, yeah, we had that going and then I think it ended up being the third round that I beat him. Um, I think it just wore on him after a while. Like, I took him down and he was getting sort of fatigued and yeah his of... his his shoulder he had some sort of issue with his his shoulder mm. um and the referee stopped it which i thought was weird but if it's an amateur fight then maybe yeah um, yeah i'm not too sure like uh again i haven't actually watched it in a while so i think i don't know if it was like from a takedown or maybe it was going in he might have had a shoulder issue or even him throwing a punch or something it could have been any of that um but you know i think either way like i'm happy to sort of be in that position and you know I don't think it was anything bad, but yeah. It was definitely good, you know, for what was sort of preparation for MMA for you. Mm, um, yeah. Having seen the fight, like you, as I say, you very much like dominated him in terms of grappling. Um, even your second fight, um, you, same same thing happened. You, you were top position, took him down. You know, I, I, there was, in fact, in the second fight, there was a bit of ground and pound I think you got told off for, um, <laughs> which was, uh, it was funny. It was definitely... Um, good preparation for you at the time yeah so um talk to me obviously so that fight the first fight was in 2014 mm. uh it was the fourth saturday the 4th of october wow um at 88 kilos yeah yeah which which is insane because i'm 24 and i'm nowhere near that <laughs> um but then within the space of a year you were fighting out of lions mm-hmm. what what made you transition from uh, atomic to to lions so i think the big thing especially coming out of that fight was just um you know 
I think, like, obviously, with all due respect, like, where I trained before at Atomic and things like that, um, I almost just felt like going into that fight, uh, it was, I, I kind of felt like I needed maybe more support from, like, coaches in particular, because I had support from, like, my training partners, they were all there, they were in my corner coaching me and things, um, but I feel like maybe the focus was more, for them, it was more on, like, the traditional sort of karate side and less so this side, Um you know, which is sort of understandable. I'm sure, you know, the, the, they've been successful before doing that, you know, teaching like the karate route and getting people to compete down that way. But I think just from me at my stage then, I almost felt like that wasn't the way I was going. Like I said, you know, I got my black belt in it and then I stopped really training in karate and my focus was more on MMA at that point. So I think at that stage, I just felt like I needed like a new change. And I was looking around a little bit and... I think the decision was quite easy though because I'd heard it from other people before, um, you know, like even friends and like friends of my dad's and all that sort of stuff. They'd all said like, you know, Lions Gym, they'd heard about it, that some of them had trained there or whatnot, like that's the gym to go to. And, um, you know, that's where like, you know, you can advance from there. And I thought, okay, cool, I'll give it a try. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, was I around 16 at that point? <laughs> I can't remember the exact, it was... It was, it would, it would have been uh, between 2014, 2015. So. Yeah, so shortly after that, yeah, shortly after that fight, um, yeah, I made the transition to Lions and, uh, yeah, I suppose never looked back really. It was uh, definitely a good are you, move. Are you still in contact with any of the guys from Atomic? Um, not too much, no. Some of them I have on Facebook and things like that. Um, it was funny enough as well is that some of the guys... I think they still train maybe at different gyms. They've like reached out to me a little bit as well and just sort of seen me, you know, doing like jujitsu now and they've, you know, reached out to me a little bit. So yeah, uh, again, speaking a little bit, maybe catch up with the guys soon. Like I have no like bad feelings or like ill will towards any of them because yeah. they're all sound guys. And I always have to say like, you know, the stage I'm at now, maybe I wouldn't have been there if I didn't, Yeah, you know, go through that route. So Again, I thank all of them. Yeah, I mean, you wanted different things. Mm -hmm. Like, that. that's it. Yeah, yeah, pretty um, much. So, yeah, you, you, you moved to Lions to pursue MMA. Um, what was it like coming into Lions at the time? Because very different gym. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a year before I even started at Lions. Yeah, yeah. So looking back on it now, I mean, I think I, think I did sort of start around... I don't remember. It, it's been about seven odd years, eight odd years, something like that. Um, yeah, of course, it was completely different then. Um, you know, even just looking at it now when you walk in, like it looks different um, when you go in. Uh, yeah, like it was, it was kind of like surreal a little bit because once you walked in, I kind of felt like, okay, like this is like a different sort of atmosphere. It kind of feels a bit more like, you know, I suppose with the gym before, they were more, you know, they had a large like, like a, base for like children and you know younger teens and stuff like that whereas here it felt a bit more like like adult like I would say um you know a lot more like adults and you know people like that training there so like it wasn't necessarily a bad thing either I kind of felt like I had to find my feet to start with um because I remember my first class was a MMA class with Jimmy actually oh wow yeah it was a Thursday night I don't remember the day or the year but it was a Thursday night did MMA class with Jimmy and, you know, even the way the class ran and stuff, it was completely different to what I'd done before. So, How so? Um, I just think in general, like, I suppose before we have, like, a very traditional warm-up when we do, like, a like a karate or even my M the MMA there, you know, you have, like, your standard warm-up. Um, you know, Jimmy's is quite, like, um, 
I don't know how to say it. He's, you know, it's just his style of teaching and like a different approach to something that I'd never really had before. So yeah, like just coming into the class and some of the technique I learned, you know, it was a, it was it was really like interesting to see, and I could just tell it was like developing my game straight away because it was, you know, the classes I kept coming back to as well. Um, you know, he was the first class, but also I remember at the time when I started, um, I knew Sonny Hero was kickboxing there, like the kickboxing coach. So, um, and he was someone I'd heard about before. Like I knew, like I'd heard of his trainer as well in Birmingham. And, um, you know, I knew he was like a big name, like kickboxing and stuff like that. So he was like definitely a class I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, you know, like I think I built like a good relationship with him and, you know, even all the other coaches as well, you know, like Jimmy and I wasn't doing like gi jiu-jitsu, so I didn't really like focus on that too much at the time. But, you know, like Jimmy, Andre, you know, Sonny, all these guys, like, you know, I was able to slowly build like a good relationship with us. How many, how many sessions a week were you doing um, um, with Lions? God, it's actually hard to say. I think I was doing like all the kickboxing ones, the MMA ones, uh I think that was it at the time. Uh so basically pretty much all of them outside of like gi jiu jitsu. You know, I was doing like a bit of no gi I think as well. Um but I think at that time my primary focus was sort of like the kickboxing slash like the MMA. Um so yeah, like I can't put a number on it, but it was, you know, still quite a lot to Yeah. So how long were you doing that for then? Um did and did you do that leading up to you leaving for uni? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much leading up to uni, it was you know exactly the same. Like I was doing the kickboxing, I was doing the MMA. Um, like it, that was my focus, I'd say. And you know, like over time, um, gi jiu jitsu, I sort of started. Like it was, it was one of those that I started as kind of like a. Oh, we'll just try it out, you know, see how it is. Like, I, I bought a gi, like, I, I paid the money, I bought a gi. I was like, eh, we'll just give it a try and see what happens. Um, Controversial question. Yeah. What brand gi was it? It was a Gracie Baha gi. Oh. It was from the gym. It was a GB gi. It was a, uh, uh, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was the Pro Light era or something. So, like, a, you know, a fairly old model now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, at the time, it was like, you know, brand new gi. Um, you know, the pricing hasn't really changed. Um so it was it was quite expensive and uh, it was just one of those I'd just try out um, and then closer to when I was starting uni, I'd do the gi a little bit more because uh, when I started it was probably only like you know like one class every week, one class every two weeks. So I was really in and out. And um, did you did you just not in, enjoy the gi at the time? Um, no, I wouldn't say it was a matter of not enjoying it. It's just when I was like focusing on the other things as well. Like for example. I think the structure was pretty similar, whereas like, you had your striking class before your gi class, and you know some nights where you're sparring and stuff, you just knack at that, and then you got to do a gi class after that. It can be quite difficult. So again, I think at that point my head was still focused on like kickboxing and MMA, and uh, you know of, of course at that time I was doing like no gi through the MMA as well. But gi jiu jitsu was just again slowly being incorporated. Like I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like. Yeah, it wasn't one of those I just dropped everything for at that stage. So, yeah, that's what that's what I'd say. So, what was what made you? Um, in fact, before we get onto that, what uh, what was your first? What was your mo- motivation for MMA? Like, what was your first memory of it, and, and what made you want want to to do it? Um, I don't know. I think that is a hard question. Actually, I always think on reflection. Like, I actually don't know like a specific point. I always know like. 
say for even when I started karate, like my cousins, they have a gym in Canada. They do like uh, like boxing and kickboxing, and some of the guys did like MMA and things like that. I think I ran into that yeah. in, in my research. Oh yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. So they they have a gym there. They've had it, you know, for years, and like my cousins. They're like similar age as me as well, and they've been training since they were like even younger, you know, like since they were like kids. And um, like my dad would always talk about them, and like you know the rest of the family as well. And just you know we'd always see like how well they're doing and stuff. And I think it was always quite like motivating to know like you know you had that like sort of <laughs> I don't want to say like lineage because it's not kind of like that, but you know you had family yeah. like on the other side of the planet who were like committed to something and like really you know focused and especially like I'd even take this back to when I was like when I started the martial arts like I think at that stage I was just quite unsure and I was sort of not really doing much of myself like outside of school and perhaps like hanging around with the wrong types of people as well so I think I wasn't you know I was probably going down like a you know a not very beneficial path and I think when I started martial arts, because of that, it like really sort of channeled my energy, channeled my focus. And then my dad, I remember my dad saying as well, like, if you get a black belt in your karate, I'll take you on a flight to Canada and you like go meet them all and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, that's good enough for me, you know, like it's a good enough incentive. So I think, you know, in terms of like training as a whole, that has sort of been like what's motivated me. And I suppose, like I said as well, you know, even training at the old place Atomic, when they started their MMA and stuff, um, I think just really getting into it there really sort of, like, motivated me a bit. Like, it was, it it just gave me fuel, I'd say. Like, even within school and, like, outside of outside of training itself, like, I felt maybe like a more confident, like, teenager growing up and stuff. So, you know, seeing... I think when people like knew as well, like oh, like he does like MMA and things like that. Like it was, it almost put me in a position that I hadn't been in before, where I was like, you know, people like almost gave me a little bit of respect out of that because I think before that I was just sort of like a kid that people could just sort of you know take the mick out of. Really, were you were you particularly successful in competitions in in terms of karate? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like I've won um certain trophies and won fights um you know not won all of them um you know been beaten as well but I had some success there as well I still have trophies at home because it's it's really interesting that um obviously within the gym um not that it's necessarily a competition but um you know you know who the good people are and you know who the people who try their best are and you know Mm -hmm. the assholes are um (laughs) but um like to the outside world I've noticed this just the fact that you you're committed to training mm-hmm. on a regular basis, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Like people see that, people recognize yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like there is, and and I don't think it's ever asked for, but there there is that that respect that you get from um, from just just training and, yeah. just, and just wanting to make yourself better. And it, it, and I think it happens in a lot of different disciplines as well, not just martial arts. But yeah. Definitely martial arts because it's fighting is, mm-hmm. is recognized like that. So. Um, what made you? I mean, what 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 were your earliest memories of MMA? Then did you, did you watch any um, MMA growing up? You, I would say like I do remember in terms of watching like UFC, um, guys like sort of George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. That sort of era was the era I got involved in it. Um, I think the first like video I seen was around like that UFC sort of 
I think like one seventeen time where Chelsea and fought Anderson Silva. Oh wow! Yeah, around that sort of time, like that's yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that very, very like, you know, very like vividly almost. Like it was, uh, <laughs> I was like, who's this guy, man? Just chatting all this like shit. And I came through. Uh, I used to watch like wrestling as a kid and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like WWE, all that sort of stuff. And I sort of, you know, turned away from it as you grow up and stuff. And um, Never. Yeah, <laughs> you never. You know what? I slowly. I don't know if I should be saying this, but I've been watching a little bit more nowadays, Ooh. like AEW and things yeah, like that. Buddy. Yeah, so uh, I keep my to, eye on that. There's a few of us in the gym. We're gonna have to make a WhatsApp. Group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting now. I'm like a different stage of my life, but yeah, at that sort of stage for MMA, like it was the GSPs, the Anderson yeah. Silvers. Um, I think I remember watching GSP. Who did he fight? <clears throat> I don't know if it was if it was Dan Hardy or who did he fight after Dan Hardy? Oh, this is way way <laughs> channeling your time. memory now. Oh no, GSP. Uh, I think he fought Hardy at like is it one eleven UFC one eleven? We're about to find out. Uh, so he fought Dan Hardy at one eleven. Then he fought. Josh Koscheck. That was it, yeah, Josh Koscheck. Because I remember watching the Ultimate Fighter that season as well. Um, so it was around that sort of time. I think almost like <laughs> I'd seen all these things, like, you know, maybe like simultaneously. And it just got me like hooked on it as well, especially since I was doing it too. Um, yeah. At that stage, like, it was really cool to see. And just watching videos of them training and just their attitude outside of training as well, just like everyday life, it was. It got me hooked on it, you know, it won- and I kind of wanted to like replicate it. <laughs> so I need to, I need to stick on this. Um, mm-hmm. People that don't like wrestling, oh, skip ahead thirty <laughs> seconds. I swear, <laughs> I swear, I will not go on about it. <laughs> what has made you interested in, a- in AEW? Okay, so um, I don't know if people do this yeah, but you know, like late night before you go to bed, you're on your phone, you're on YouTube, and you have like a YouTube session. So you just have like. Now, this can be anything. It can be 10 minutes, it can be half an hour, and sometimes it can be like two hours, right? Where you just start scrolling through random videos on your suggested, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll watch another. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> and you go on and on. Yeah, yeah. So that came up with wrestling sometimes. I've had it before, like the old, because I really love like the two, like the sort of the noughties of wrestling, you know, 2000, yeah, yeah, 2010. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was like. Ruthless aggression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my sort of like, uh, that was my sort of like childhood mm. almost. I love that sort of time. And, um,. Obviously now, like things have become a bit more boring, like PG and things like that. Um, the storylines are kind of same old, same old. So it kind of put me. And I think when I was a kid, and you find out like wrestling's fake, it's like, oh well, what's the point then? You know, like you know, every sort of fixed. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. were kind of like put off by that. I'd probably say myself included as well. Um, but now I don't know. Like I just feel you got to respect wrestling for what it is, right? Like mm. it's not trying to be no MMA or no. you know anything like that I think you just respect it for you know what it is and it's just trying to it's, it's like, as they say sports entertainment like it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is you know it's kind of fascinating to see sometimes you know like the way these guys the way these guys are you know if they're like faces one week or their heels the yeah, next yeah. week and 
you know what AEW doing as well. So it was pretty cool. Like I just I see some of the videos, especially now they're attracting like loads of big talent. You know, obviously CM Punk just came back, and you know all these guys. What's his name? Um, Brian Danielson. Yeah, crazy man. It, it, it's good to see. You know, it's like healthy competition. I think. Um, you know, WWE's probably been in like a class of its own for so long. It's it is good to have. Uh, you know. I mean, maybe it's, better competition. I mean, we we were too too young for the the Monday Night Wars, mm. um, so uh, it's yeah. it's really cool. To see. Again, yeah, I've watched stuff on that as well, like yeah. before, like uh, Attitude Era and things exactly, like that. Man, yeah. is uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we will come back to this on a future episode, <laughs> and I will title yeah. it appropriately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, what so what made you decide that jujitsu was where you wanted to go and not MMA? So. I'd probably say this decision came around. So when I moved to uni, again, I was still doing my striking and MMA. And at this point, the like gi jiu-jitsu was definitely becoming a lot more, you know, a lot more, um, like, more of an interest with me. Um, again, I was mixing it all up and then studying as well. And I think it just got to a point where I was just almost becoming like, overwhelmed by, like, training everything because... You know, like, if I do jiu-jitsu, I don't want to do it how, like, when I started it, where I'm literally doing one session every two weeks or, like, just literally popping in now and again. And I, I realise that now, especially, you know, with, like, training so much, it's like, man, if I literally train, like, once every two weeks, man, my, like, my, like, development is going to be so slow, like, in that, you know, particular area, if I'm just training that much. And especially since I started uni, I felt like, you know, the workload was kind of increasing a bit as well. And I just thought, I'm just not going to have time to balance all these different areas out you know like we're talking no gi jiu-jitsu gi jiu-jitsu like mma like muay thai you know all these and then like you know lifting if you want to lift as well all these sorts of things trying to get the sessions in so i think i just came to a decision um i think it was around like the turn of a new year um i can't remember what year it was now mate i think the new year of around first year where i sort of came to came to a realization like all right I need to really decide, like, do I want to continue to go down MMA and, like, striking? Or do I want to start focusing on, like, jiu-jitsu? Because I just felt in my head I didn't have time for both, you know? And I think in the end I just came to jiu-jitsu. That was my sort of conclusion. Um, I, I, it, was, it, was a, it was very difficult, you know? I really, like, I wasn't too sure here and there. But I think one big thing that swayed me, and, like, I'll be dead honest about it, is just, you know, like hard sparring in MMA and like striking especially man it's just like it's uh it's not something I want going forward in the long term you know especially like studying as well um I don't want you know my brain to like not not be functional you know in 10 or 20 years time and things like that and that is how it would be because I'm not just one of those who would do like MMA or do like striking in general I wouldn't just do that (laughs) <laughs> till like uni finishes and that's it I'm just gonna you know fuck off and get a full-time job like this is something that you know I've been doing now since I was in school it's really like been a part of my life and I, I think I understood that from when I started uni as well like a lot of the uni students they tend to go out and they party quite a lot and you know a couple times a week and stuff and I just could kind of see at that point that wasn't the route I wanted to take you know um, of course I'd go out and I'd like party and things but it wouldn't it wasn't it was never that that I'd, you know, sacrifice like training or anything for it. So yeah. I, I just sort of thought, okay, I need to really like focus in on jiu-jitsu now. And um, yeah, that was sort of my thought process. Yeah, when I was at uni, um, for the most part, I 
obviously I wasn't training as nearly as heavily as you, but like mm. I definitely enjoyed going to training way more than than going out. Mm. And like I mean, to be fair, training finishes at like nine nine thirty at the latest. Yeah, latest. If you really wanted to go for a beer afterwards, you can. Mm-hmm. But after training, I always kind of feel like I'm, I'm happy. I feel healthy. Like you know, mm-hmm. um, it's um, yeah. No, the concussion thing is real. Yeah. Um, I remember when we, when we were training at uh, Champs at Silverback. Yeah. Um, I was coaching gymnastics, and I I thought it was from sparring, but I worked out later that I, I was doing backwards roll, rolls wrong. And I've got a big head, really? and I was basically just even on like the gymnastics floor, smacking my head um, every time that I'd, I showed a backwards roll to the kids. And so I got like two concussions in a row. Like, and I only realized that because like there were times when I'd just like, I wouldn't know where I was. I'd be really confused. I wouldn't know who I was talking to. Mm. Um, I'd feel sick randomly. Mm. And um, so I stopped training for a while and it was just for a few weeks. Uh, I think it was like six weeks of time. But I took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I told Champ about it one morning at, at, at Strength and Conditioning. And he's like, the problem is, going back to the wrestling, re- like he's a massive wrestling fan. We have seen enough shit happen, whether it's Brian Danielson, Chris Benoit, mm-hmm. um, you know, even, even people who like died of other things like Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Like you see we've seen enough of that to be scared shitless of concussions. Yeah. And it's something that I'm very, and I know that especially given events recently, not with him, but with, with other people, um, James is also very, very aware of, mm-hmm. of, of the concussions thing. So I, I definitely, um, yeah, I see where that was a concern. Yeah. I also know, uh, do you remember Gus? Gosh. Uh, he got his purple belt while he was, while he was here, but he was, he came in as blue belt for university. Maybe um, by like face or something. Yeah, okay, like he's, a, he's a sort of big, big, tall guy. Um, he uh, sort of not shaved head, but short hair. Mm-hmm. He uh, he used to train MMA um, in his hometown, mm-hmm. and basically, people the, the sparring was effectively just a fight, mm. and he, he stopped. Yeah, MMA completely, and it sucks because I've seen him do pads, mm-hmm. and I've seen you do pads, mm-hmm. and both of you are really fucking good. Yeah. But like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I very much see that with jujitsu as, as as well. I see like the appeal of not mm-hmm. dying after every yeah. session. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that isn't to say like jujitsu doesn't come with its own risks. You know, I mean, injuries are so like prevalent in the sport Knees. as well. Knees yeah. are the big one. Even that as well. Yeah, you can get caught. Um, you know, you can get like maybe concussed even yeah. on a, on a bad situation. Um, I do think it would have you know it can be something you can maybe manage a bit more, whereas yeah. perhaps sparring isn't, like uh, striking sparring. Um, you know, like I've even had it before, like you were saying, you know, hard sparring sessions, and you just come home and, like, you, your head's a bit fuzzy and you just kind of, like, you know, you don't sort of... You're not sort of with it almost, and that's not something you want, especially at my age. No. You know, at that point when I was literally, like, you know, 18, 19, 20, I, I didn't really want that going forward because okay I might be able to sort of handle it at that age but you know when I'm in my 30s in my 40s and you know I have like a family and stuff I don't want to be I don't want these things to be like yeah. reoccurring no we don't we don't really know enough about CTE hmm. is the thing we we don't know like the actual long-term impact mm-hmm. of it and all the evidence so far suggests that it's not a good thing no no um I mean, you see it in like a NFL and things like that. Oh, I think yeah. they were saying. I yeah. mean, what the the average sort of 
time they play is what, like four years or something, five years, yeah. like an NFL career. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that goes to say something, you know. Like, we're really lucky, and I honestly think it's because of the gloves that um, more people haven't died in MMA. You see mm-hmm. it in boxing like every other week. Yeah, um, I've seen some sad stuff, man. Yeah. Really sad things. It's, it's horrific. Um, so you, you transitioned over to jiu-jitsu, training between Nottingham and Cov. And I think you also train at GB Birmingham. Yeah, so when I started jiu-jitsu, are you talking? Or like sort of more now, would you say? Just t- take us through it. Yeah, um, so when I started, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact time. I think when my sole focus was on jiu-jitsu, I'd kind of transitioned and I was training primarily at like Gracie Baja Nottingham. I was still in uni, I was, still yeah. st- I was staying there as well full-time. Um, only really coming home on the weekend, so there wasn't much time for me to train like in Coventry at Lions. Um, but you know, that was the focus I was training there. Um, and I sort of seen my, like, it it was kind of weird, really. I seen my sort of level grow quite quickly. Um, and then once I moved back, then I was training more between Coventry and Nottingham. Um, you know, training at Lions quite a lot. Again, Nogi, Yangi, this was, um, and then going up to Nottingham as well. Cause from, um, I'd probably say a couple of months into when I was training in Nottingham, I then started attending like the competition sessions. Because I think I went in, I was like a, maybe like a two-stripe white belt, if that. I think I was a two-stripe because I couldn't even do the advanced classes yet because you had to be a three-stripe white belt to do it. So I remember I did it. I did like the GB1 classes. And I think very quickly after that, I got my third stripe. I was doing the advanced classes. And um, yeah, I was like, you know, kind of fitting in there as well, uh, getting used to that. Different different type of training as well. You know, different type of, uh, I think a different kind of tax on your body. Like, uh, it's hard to say. Um, You you kind of feel it sometimes. Even say there's differences between training gi and no gi. So there's, you know, probably more of a difference training striking to grappling. Um, So, yeah, I think I was just, you know, adjusting, getting used to that. And then I started competing as well um, whilst I was at GB Nottingham. Um, And then, yeah, I think that went well. And, you know, now I'll just mix it up in between. I go to Birmingham a little bit as well now. So um, whether it be like the... Sometimes the guys from GB Knots will travel down to GB Birmingham and sometimes some of the guys from Birmingham come up to Nottingham. So we sort of like cross-train a little bit. So, you know, that's uh, you know another good way to train. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Mm, definitely. Um, so would you say that Nottingham is like your, your home home base? Nottingham and Coventry. You yeah. know, Lions Gym and GB Knots, I'd say. Like, uh, I place just as much importance on you know, both of them. So... Yeah, I feel like I just asked quite a polarizing question. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't mean for it to be. I was no, no, no. Uh, uh, I get. Yeah, I think some people ask me that as well. But yeah, both the places. You know, like I, I wouldn't be where I am without both of them. Yeah, yeah. So no, I get you hundred percent. That's uh, understandable. Because I mean, I, this is something that I, that I found that James has been really cool about from from the start. Is when I wanted to try going and training at this place, or if I wanted to to go to a session here, he would always encourage, like for the most part. Mm-hmm training with as many people as you could mm-hmm. you know learning from as many people as you could uh, i think i've only seen once seen him say don't train there to yeah. like someone yeah. um and i think that was more of a political thing than anything else but um, mm, yeah unfortunately you know it's quite there is quite a bit of it in i think combat sports in general really like uh not just like say jiu-jitsu or striking it's sort of it's just a one of them you gotta try and avoid where you can right <laughs> so yeah um so you train what? What do you, do you do? What fifty fifty gi no gi? 
Um, I'd probably say I train more in the gi. Um, you know, funnily enough, compete more in the gi as well. Um, but I still train in no gi as well. Like when I was in Nottingham, the sessions that they were doing, um, so the competition sessions would mainly kind of depending on the year would be like two gi sessions and one gi, uh, no gi session um, a week. I think leading up to certain competitions, like towards the end of the year when it's like no gi worlds and stuff, it, they'd flip that around. It'd be two no gi and one gi session. And then in the evening classes, it would be, I think, no gi on Wednesday nights and then gi Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So I think just naturally, you know, you I would I was training more in the gi anyway. Um, coming back to Coventry, though, obviously, Lions Gym, like, they've got no gi and they've got MMA classes which have no gi in as well. They've got, like, wrestling class, classes too. So um, there's there's quite a bit more, like, variety in that sense. So I could say my training's a bit more balanced in that way, but... I'd say more recently it has been more tailored towards gi. I think because sorry. <laughs> I think it's because fine. my I didn't just break it or anything. I think because my competitions are like more leaning towards gi what I've been competing in. But I'm open to training in both and you know competing in both as well. So yeah. Again, not supposed to be a triggering question. Okay. Which do you prefer? Um, I go through phases. I would say like. I don't. I can't come out and definitively say I prefer gi. I prefer no gi. I do go through phases where I like training no gi more than gi, or vice versa. Um, you know, like I think if a gun was to my head and said like you can't compete in one anymore, it would be I'd compete in gi and I'd focus on gi. But again, I don't. I try not to like discount my no gi either because yeah. I think both of them are good and you know I'm, I'm good enough in both as well. So yeah, for sure. That's a, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I worked it out the other day. Um, I I don't hate gi. Yeah, which yeah. Is good. Thank you. Um, no, um, it's uh, what I hate is when and and apparently referees stop this. Although I've never competed in the gi, so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know. Um, when you when like your foot gets caught in the jacket or like yeah, um, or like for me the worst thing is so in no gi I do like front headlock stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like uh, an americana. I've started because Alicia has a really good Peruvian. I've um oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've I've started adding a Peruvian in when I can. Yeah. Um, but like when I go to put my hand through, my hand gets caught inside the collar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the stuff that I fucking hate. But actually, yeah. when when I'm playing with the grips and like, and and even if it's not necessarily working well for me, mm-hmm. even if I'm like defending, um, I actually I really enjoy sort of the mm. the added sort of puzzle element of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Like, like I told you, you know, there is differences between gi and no gi. Like, you can't just take like a one approach for all of it. Like, oh, you know, have like one game for it all. Um, you especially see that at like competition level as well. You know, guys who play one style in gi will play a different style in no gi. Um, yeah. And it is adaptable though as well. Like one thing I was using a lot, like coming up when I was doing like even MMA stuff, was like using like butterfly sweeps. Yes. So that's something I do even in the gi as well. You know, you can still do that. Slightly different sometimes, maybe different grips, but that that thankfully is something that can convert over. But as well, it's don't think of it as like a burden having the gi on that everything's trapped because no. while she might struggle to do your Peruvian neckties and things like that, I mean, other opportunities are there. Like you have like clock chokes, loop, loop chokes, obviously your collar chokes as well. Like there's a... You know, a few more weapons in the arsenal for you to use. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy when, when I, when I get something with the gi. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do you know what? I, when I see um, Abby, mm-hmm. like, do her like, um, just her collar choke from guard. Yeah, and I'm, I see that, and I'm just like, that looks so yeah, convenient. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just 
exactly sometimes yeah. perhaps easier i would say yeah, like yeah. a college joke from guard in a sense it's yeah. uh, yes it can be a bit easier to get i would say than maybe other things but yeah man it's uh it is fun i think you'll slowly keep growing maybe gravitating towards key i don't well <laughs> but, i'm never uh, going like to be a purist no like no. that's that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's fine there's not i don't think there's many like straight key purists i mean there is you one or so? two in the gym um who just focus on gi, but I mean, in terms of like the gym and who's around, most people sort of train both, I would say, which is good. Um, yeah, they have confidence to train them both. I think, I mean, I understand recovery is a, a real thing, but um, what Raj was saying the other day about if you like, just try not to have that mentality of, oh, I only do gi or, mm -hmm. oh, I only do no gi. Um, they're at different times. Mm. Like you can do both. Yes. You know, uh, it's the same as, when people like James would always tell the MMA guys, if there's a session on, you should go to that session. Bec yeah. Like, be because you're you're learning, you're training, like, yeah, and that's yeah. better than not learning or training. I know. I mean, I think for some people as well, you know, a lot of guys are working full time who work yeah. on certain shifts. So perhaps, like, you know, we've had the gi classes change a little bit since lockdowns ended, where it's sometimes it's been a six, sometimes seven, sometimes eight starts. Um, which will suit certain people and it might not suit others. So I think that's part of it as well. Perhaps some people might just be trying to, you know, work their training around work as well, which is understandable. Um, you know, just come to what you can come to. Yeah. And, you know, if you're tired and stuff, we're all tired. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, talk a little bit about your um, your accomplishments in Jiu-Jitsu because this irritates me yeah. and I want to get onto it. There are, like, if you're an MMA fighter or a kickboxer, mm -hmm. all your shit is probably online somewhere. Yeah. Whereas I was looking for, like, rankings or tournament results or anything like that mm -hmm. from you. Yeah. And the best resource that wasn't your Instagram account yeah. was, like, only updated in 2019. Yeah. Which, okay, we've had yeah. a pandemic, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. like, what, um, so talk about, your results, like what, what are some accomplishments that you're really proud of in, in terms of um, jiu-jitsu? This is the point where you're like, oh, I have to talk about myself. Yeah, this was like, the, <laughs> coming in, this was like the one thing I wish he did, like, he didn't have to ask me, I wish he would rather say himself. Um, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, gosh, like some of my major accomplishments, um, like IBJJF Europeans, I, like, I won that, um, back in 2018 um british so if i like if someone says like they're a british champion as well um that can also have maybe different meanings because you know there's different kinds of competitions as well so like for example you have like the british open you have like ibjjf british nationals you've got like the uae british nationals as well all three are like you know very very big competitions like ibjjf like well ajp now it was uae like uh, back when i competed for them um you know, all have like very high prestige. Like they're the, you know, as a competitor, those would be the competitions you look for, um, you know, across the calendar and things like that. So, you know, if you win that, you can, I, I suppose when you win that, you could kind of say like British champion, or I would just say, you know, like won the British Open once this year and then won uh, the UAE British uh, Nationals, like a double guarded that. Um, so maybe three-time British champion. I don't know. However you want to say it, like, um, so yeah, three gold medals across there, and then like I've medaled at like IBJJF British Nationals, 
um medal to multiple IBJJF comps as well so like Spanish nationals like you know London winter London fall you know medal at them as well um you know again numerous like gold medals I suppose like you know smaller comps like Nottingham Open and um you know d- different things of like that AJP Croatia Pro um yeah so like so many competitions throughout the years it's kind of hard to keep track and um it is interesting you say that about how like records aren't really stated online very clearly. Um, there is a site, uh, Smooth Comp. They do they try to track records across the competitions they have on their on their website, but it doesn't. It's not all of them. You know, certain comps like like BJJ British Open, they have their own like website and they don't really track the records like you know for the long run. Um, but yeah, like I suppose over the years I've just sort of been racking up experience at events you know numerous types of events over uh, across the world as well you know like i've competed in england i've competed in spain portugal croatia canada america like it's that's a, insane yeah yeah it is when i look back on it and i think like that like well you know i have sort of racked up quite a bit of a quite a bit of time on the mats so <laughs> do you um do you enjoy competing often uh, yeah i think so well i think everybody has like nerves and like you know, always kind of, uh, you know, a little bit funny leading up to a comp. Like, even, like, now, like, I'm competing on Sunday and you kind of feel a bit like, oh, you know, like, I think it's just the sense of unknown. Um, but when I'm there, I, I do feel like there is nowhere I'd rather be. Like, I know I'm in the right place, almost like right place at the right time. Um, I really love the, like, the, like, experience of it all as well. Um, again, totally different to, like, your, your sort of, like being in a ring where you're you're like in a fight in that way um yeah being on the mats is definitely a different experience when you're competing but um definitely enjoying it a lot more especially since the lockdown's ended as well you know such a big break that was you know what we're talking like over a year a year and a few months that I hadn't competed so such a long break it was you know quite questionable of me like think well I was questioning a little bit as well like if I still got it is it like you know what's it going to be like but um yeah like yeah, it's good. I've still got the fire, which is good. How much were you able to train during the during the pandemic? Um, well, straight jujitsu. It was I was struggling at times for sure. Like especially when it all you know shit hit the fan. Like March last year, um, you know everything was pretty much shut. Um, I was pretty much just doing like home workouts. Like um, Silverback, I was working with him at the time, and he like lent me like literally like lent me a kettlebell and I think like a resistance band. And was just giving me like home workouts, like daily home workouts. So I was just getting through them pretty much every day, um, you know, which I, I do have to thank him for because uh, yeah, he did the same for Jack. Yeah, yeah it, re- it did really help me because I do, I think without that, I don't really know how consistent I would be because you can always say to yourself, yeah, like I'm gonna just do this every day sort of thing. But I almost feel like when it's when it's kind of put on you a bit more and it's like okay, you have to do this today, you have to do this tomorrow. Like this is your workout for you know, the next day, um, it definitely kept me focused in that way. And even if it was only once a day, like I was just at least doing something, keeping my body sort of ticking over. And it wasn't until like, maybe like the end of summer that, um, I started training again. Um, one of my friends in Nottingham, he had like a, literally had like a warehouse and he just put some mats down and, you know, we just started training there a little bit. It was, you know, a couple of times a week I was able to get down because um, I don't think you're allowed to travel at that point. So I was just no. like, I was just, you know, trying to get down where I can, um, you know, kind of trying to build up, 
I'm trying to build it back up a little bit. But um, yeah, that was a that was sort of the start of it. And then it had been so like it sort of fluctuated as well because you had another lockdown again. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I caught COVID as well in January too. Um, well, my whole house did pretty much, and I had to sort of stay on the sort of down low then, just not really doing much training again. Um, but then yeah, like. Thankfully, the bubble sessions helped when the gym started opening back up, um, especially more towards the start of this year. I was able to train like in a bubble with, you know, a Kaz? Yes. Indian Kaz. Yeah. Um, I was able to train with him. So that was good. You know, definitely, definitely helped me. So um, you, you so you basically did strength and conditioning for what, a quarter of a year, third of a year? Yeah. Yeah. yeah good part um, of a year, for sure. Do, do you find uh, strength and conditioning easy to, to do? yourself like do you enjoy it i think because <laughs> uh, i because I, I feel like like someone like me i find it almost impossible mm. to motivate myself not i hate motivate, but to to get myself to do any strength and conditioning mm. like if someone else is there i don't find it that bad mm. but um i see people alone in the gym yeah all the time and yeah. i'm like i do not un- i've done it mm-hmm. but i do not understand like, yeah I mean, it's, uh, yeah, they are different experiences doing it yourself compared to doing it in a group. Um, that's one thing I really liked when I started, uh, like, lifting with Champ and stuff is, you know, when I started, we were doing, like, small group sessions. It was, like, you know, like, maybe James, Melissa, Jack, like, myself, um, just doing sessions early in the morning. I didn't like the morning. Like, no, I did not no. like lifting in the morning. But I just felt like, you know, sometimes you have to go for, like, five o'clock or something for the sessions. And... You know, I would only do that because I just felt like I had like a sense or like a purpose and you know there was other people like other like-minded people there as well who were there to like you know help push me but you know now I've you know started lifting more by myself like I'm on a program with like informed performance uh you know Rob and MJ who like train over in Nottingham they like work with um like British athletics team in Loughborough Uni and stuff as well so like obviously they know what they're talking about and they've put me put me like a program together that I just go and I do myself, which again, it sort of you know keeps me focused. So I don't just sort of veer off and think, okay, I can sort of have an easy day today and just like, you know, lift, you know, one or two things. But I know like, okay, on this day, I have to live, I have to do this on this day. I have to do that. Like it's uh, it, it is good. I do like lifting with people though. I think when I'm by myself, it can be more challenging. You, you, you can sort of slack off a bit, but um, you know, being on this program has helped for sure. It's given me a sense of direction, I'd say. Do you do a lot of open mat? Um, not tons, no. No, I'd say a lot of my training does revolve around classes, whether it be like a comp style class or like just your standard evening classes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do as much open mat, but you know, like the style of the comp class, we do get times to like drill our own techniques and things like that. Um, like pretty much every comp class, which is good. Um, but yeah, I don't do much open mat myself now. So um, do, do you feel like you benefit specifically from being in a class? Um, well, obviously everyone does. Yeah, but. yeah. Yeah, I think so, um, for sure. Like, I think over the years, like, of course, there's tons of technique that I've learned that was just, you know, so slowly sort of gone out of my brain and I've forgot over time. But there's definitely been techniques that I've just, that have just stuck with me and... The one thing that I liked, especially like when I was training in Nottingham, like at the time, there was a lot of different like uh, professors, like you know Gareth and Victor, like sort of alternating the classes sometimes. And 
they'd be maybe teaching a similar position, you know, say it'd be like side control top or like, you know, attacks from guard and things like that. But they'd have their own twist on it. Even like I remember Sean as well doing so and like slightly different things to what Gareth and uh, Victor do. And I did kind of like that because it just kind of like shows you how jiu-jitsu can be adaptable. Like there isn't like a one-size-fits-all approach. It can be, you know, everybody's body type is different and, you know, you might prefer certain things over others. So I think that is what's good. And with the evening classes as well, it's like at least you have like your sense of like, you have your direction in that as well. Like, you know, there may be certain areas which you may need to tweak to your body type. Like if you've got slightly longer arms, you might need to, you know, hold something here rather than here. Or, you know, legs or whatever. But, um, yeah, definitely I do enjoy um, the evening classes. Um, have you competed in... So you've done a lot of IBJJF. Have mm. you competed under any other rule sets? Um, hmm. I don't know. I think most of the comps I've done have been IBJJF. Oh, saying that, um, I've done like AJP, which is a slightly different rule set. It's, you know pretty similar like your standard you know your four points and you know things like that but the rule set is slightly different as well like you know like you have advantages and penalties that is slightly different so you don't get advantage points you actually get one point now for advantages which i do think is actually a much better way because um you know like you get advantages for things like near guard passes but you put all that work in and you get an advantage for that which you know you could literally be on like the brink of passing someone's guard like 90% there you've expended so much energy just for them to recover a guard and for you to just get an advantage it's, I don't know I think what you know one point makes more sense in that way so that rule set's slightly different and you have to kind of adapt your game to that too um, but no nothing else in terms of that no like no sub onlys or you know EBI rules or anything like that yeah would you would you compete under those rules? So ADCC, Polaris, yeah. EBI? Yeah, yeah, I'd be open to that. I mean, like my training that I've done at comp training as well, it's been, you know, ADCC rules and, you know, all those sorts of things as well, Long, you know, longer rounds as well, not just your typical, like, IBJJF, you know, six or whatever minute rounds. So, yeah, I would be open to it. Yeah, I like longer rounds. Mm, for um, sure. Obviously, that makes competition organisation more difficult, but... yeah. Um, there's so many times when it's like, oh, if I just had one more minute. <laughs> the difficulty is, though, I think, like, jiu-jitsu as a spect- spectator sport as it is, it's quite, you know, it's quite hard to engage with it. Um, I think longer rounds, for the most part, doesn't benefit that either. Even at, like, a black belt level where you have, like, a 10-minute match, like, 10 minutes, man, is a long time. And um, I can definitely talk about, like, gi positions as well, where you can just be... A, you know, stuck in a certain position, like a like a fifty fifty with like lapels, and guys will literally be stuck there for the whole fight, like literally you because know, eight nine no minutes sense of, of urgency. Fight. Yeah, and it's you know it's quite a safe position relatively, like, and you just get stuck there as well. You know, like you you can't you know you can get subbed I suppose, like, but it's it's quite difficult to get subbed from there. And people just end up, you know, one person comes back on top, the other person comes back on top. So they literally end up getting like two points there, two points there. And that's how the fight goes. You know, they can't, they don't stop it because they're not stalling. They'd literally, it might just be like, you know, like a seesaw pretty much. Um, So if that's going on for 10 minutes, it's not, I don't think, you know, it's as enjoyable or as like, you know, know, uh, like fan friendly. So that's why I think... Like AJP now, I think they do like five or six minute rounds across the board. So from white to to black belt, um, that sort of thing I do think is a bit more is a bit more engaging. Do you think that encourages people to hunt for the sub 
more. I would think so, yeah, because a lot of the time, if you're doing a 10-minute match, man, I mean, like, you're not going to go balls to the wall for, like, the first two minutes, knowing you have that much longer left to go. Um, at that level as well, it's such a high level that people, you know, high-level guys rarely sort of make gate like you know gaping mistakes to which people capitalize on um so i do feel like i think a short around it does sort of encourage it a bit more like if you're if you've got like you know one and a half minutes to go one minute to go and you're down by x amount of points you are going to be pushing it a lot more but rather than that gap being eight minutes at the start you know if it's only two or three minutes i think it does encourage people to be more consistent throughout the throughout the match so yeah i think so um, I was going to make some sort of point. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lefty speechless. Yeah, no, I, I like that approach. Um, but do you think Jiu-Jitsu... I, I, do you watch a lot? This was the point I was going to make. Do you watch mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, yeah, I watch... Um, it kind of varies when I watch, whether I watch it live or I watch it like after the day or something. Because um, a lot of them, a lot of the big events, especially like America. So Is that enjoyment or is it studying or is it both? Um, probably a bit of everything. Like, you know, sometimes like I watch people, like friends compete there. So I watch a lot of that. And in doing that, because like, it's, you know, sometimes it's coloured belt guys. You'll do a bit of studying as well. You'll think, okay, like this is what people do, at, you know, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. These are really high level guys. Um, you know, sometimes it is just genuine like excitement. Like we had like who's number one championship last weekend. Um, that was like a really good event. Loads of you know big brackets with big names in. You had you had, you know, I I enjoyed it, but then at the same time it was kind of like the point I had before where it was like a really long round. Like you had one match in the final. I think they were thirty minute uh, like thirty minute um fights for the finals. And literally all 30 minutes were very, like, it was a lot of not engaging, like, a lot of kind, of kind of stalling, I would say, or just not willing to, you know, commit to passing a guard, not willing to play a guard to expose something else. And that was going on for 30 minutes. You know, they get they get warned by a referee for so long and they just still, like, just didn't really do much. So um, you have that side to it as well. But then I do try and watch guys that I am interested in. Like, I do, you know, keep up to date with them and I... I watch some of their fights on like flow grappling. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's always going to be the problem with jiu-jitsu and that's why it's not going to grow. It, it, it has room to grow, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that a lot of jiu-jitsu players really want it to. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of matches just aren't interesting to watch because of that mm. sta- stalling or whether, whether you want to call it stalling or not. Yeah. Um, you know, there are very few people who are willing to sacrifice good positions in, yes. in the chase of a, a submission. And that's understandable. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make for a great spectator sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting what you say about the, the short rounds, though. Yeah. Because um, yeah. instinctually, you'd think you'd get more sub finishes with longer rounds. Mm-hmm. But actually, people just get, like, tired. And yeah, it yeah. ends up installing. And it's just... And sub, just because there's a submission, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is an interesting match mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. Like, I know, even with the EBI stuff the number of matches with people I don't give a shit about hmm. that I've skipped through and it's been like, oh, it's a 10-minute draw. Hmm. Then I'll go overtime yeah. and then skip to see if, if there's a sub in overtime. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, just because there is a submission doesn't make it interesting. <laughs> i got a funny story on that, actually. Like, I, I heard it earlier from, like, Sean when he was telling me. He went to, I think it was, like, America. Um, like, you know, this was a while ago. And it was, 
like two really high level black belts, Gianni Grippo and Paulo Miao, I believe. Might have been Jao Miao, one of the Miao brothers. Um, they were in like a nogi, um, I think it was like a sub only, like no time limit fight or something like that. And you know, they started going and they like, were like uh, going for some time. Then it got to an hour. It, they went to an hour mark where there was no submission. And, you know, li- like, by that stage, people, it was literally like a bar, apparently. Like, people were just there. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a big fight, so a lot of people were there watching and things. Um, but everybody was just chatting like normal. And then it got to that point, and apparently then the organiser just said, like, okay, okay, guys, time. Like, you know, we've got, we've reached the hour mark, and there's been no decision, so we're going to continue this at the next event. That's literally what, what? they said, apparently. No. Yeah, and people no were booing way. and stuff. But an hour, they were going for an hour trying to like, you know, hunt for a submission. You know, obviously they let them roll for that long. But I think at that stage as well, especially in Nogi, they're just like slipping around, like just not able to get anything off on each other. So yeah, it it puts them both in a difficult position, I think. Like uh, you're there for that long. And I think you'd probably respect the other person as well. Like knowing, okay, these are really two like really high level people like it's, uh, if you if you can't if you're struggling to get it and you keep trying keep trying and then an hour comes and just nothing happens it's like yeah I don't know I don't really care who you are you're not gonna be fixated on a fight like that for that long like it's it's very hard to so yeah no it just reminded me I had to, I had to Google which UFC it was but um, Hoist Gracie versus uh, Ken Shamrock mm-hmm. at UFC five mm. when they went to a thirty six minute yeah. I think it was a thirty minute draw and then they went into overtime yeah. for five minutes and then they had another minute and it was still a fucking draw like crazy man yeah it's uh <laughs> well i suppose what improved that it was the fact that now ufc have five minute rounds yeah. so well, yeah I'm not, i know there is there is I, argument okay make it like pride rules or something but tell you what i want to see know. tell you what i want to see if you're going to tell me you don't, you want like no cage you want a football field sort no, of thing fuck i'm that. not no, here no, for no, it no, i'm not that. here that's for dumb it. No. okay <laughs> no but what's not dumb yeah <laughs> Um, I don't want rounds. Why do we do like, like, okay, have one round, hmm. have one rounds. If you've got a 15 minute fight, mm-hmm. make it one 15 minute round. Why? Because if there are submissions, like you don't get advantage points for being like for, for having a submission hmm. and someone being saved by the bell. True. So, and I understand that, okay, with the 10 point must system, like maybe you could see that as, you know, hmm. give that a 10, nine round. However, if someone, let's say, I don't know, someone has someone in a rear naked choke mm-hmm. and the the buzzer goes. The next round, the person that had the rear naked choke gets knocked out. It's like, okay, yes, that person got knocked out, but if they'd have been able to keep that choke on, then then they'd have won the fight. So I I don't know why we do rounds. It's like, a, yeah, it's a very... It's, if you're going to have submissions, difficult. like, in, are there any... <coughs> I, I've not heard of any jujitsu mm-hmm. um, jujitsu matches... Or, or, or competitions where you've got rounds like that. It's always one round, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Pretty much all the fights are one round. Yeah. Because no. they have to fight, like, most of the time they have to fight, like, multiple times as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think it, I think it is just the spectator sport side of it. Yeah, Like, yeah. it makes it more understandable mm. coming from a boxing, because a lot of, like, the UFC casual fans come over from boxing. Mm. And of of course you can't have like boxing rounds where you're doing like eight three minute rounds of MMA oh. or something like that or like ten or twelve. It's uh, that um, that would be very problematic. In so, then again, if we're gonna do rounds, I'm still waiting for like 
seven round fights and nine yeah. round fights like yeah. because you see okay so i don't know how much mma you do watch but mm. i'll see i'll watch like um shevchenko versus nunez 2 mm -hmm. which went to a 25 minute mm. decision like that okay maybe it's not the most fan friendly thing mm -hmm. but that was a striking clinic it was yeah and and like i was like i could watch these two fight forever yeah um holloway versus um calvin Cater. yeah like I'm not going to say I wanted to see Calvin Cater taking yeah, more punishment, slightly different, but that right? was so fun to watch. Mm. But I suppose when you say that and you talk about fights that you just wish went a few extra rounds, there's probably certain fights that you wish, you know, uh, did we really need to see that? Did this it need to be five true. rounds? This yeah, is why, that's... like, if we're, we're going to do five rounds for main events, you could push a main event to seven rounds. Possibly. I mean, right. it's... As long as it's a good main event, there'd have to be a reason for it. Yeah. But then, I don't know, maybe it becomes a bit more difficult on the fighter then, because then you're going oh, from, gotcha. what, a 25-minute fight to, what, possibly 35, 40 minutes? I mean, it it is difficult. I mean, like, and I do get what you mean about just sort of scrapping rounds as a whole and just having one long fight for, like, sort of 15 minutes or so. Um and then, yeah, you do bring the judging into question because how would you how would you judge that? Like sometimes you find round like a five minute period hard to judge because, say for the first two minutes, you've had a guy out striking another guy just slightly, you know, landing maybe a couple more crisp shots and you know just connecting with a bit more than the other guy. But then the last three minutes, guy double legs him, takes him down, passes, ends up in a dominant position, maybe lands a couple of strikes in the process. So is it which way do you go with that? I mean, and with, with one championship, they, they judge the whole fight, so the end of the fight matters. Mm, yeah, perhaps they could do that. Like Maybe if they kept the round system going, like say three rounds, but as the rounds went on, possibly, they became, like the judging Weighted. became of more yeah, importance yeah. because then you're talking about the end of the end of a fight where like the third round, again, as it ends, if someone's on someone's back and the buzzer goes, I think we may know how that would... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is that is another possibility, but... I think until maybe that gets like tried and I don't know, perhaps it's a risk as well though. Like a big company like UFC may not do that. They may not no. stretch outside that because no. they want, you know, definitive answers, not, clear fights. Not for a long time anyway. Mm -hmm. Like this, to be fair, the sport's still young. What yeah. are we, 26, 27 yeah. years in? Like there's a lot of room to change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the unified rules aren't even unified. Most countries don't recognize like MMA as a sport so we get mm. all these different glove types all these different like cage um, yeah. uh, what are they called like sizes and shapes and yeah. stuff like that so there's there's definitely room for it to grow but to be fair I'm, I'm a sadist when it comes to mixed martial arts like I've, I've recently discovered Game Red M uh, Game Red FC which mm -hmm. is Jorge Masvidal's mm -hmm. bare knuckle oh, yeah. uh, MMA and I love it yeah really yeah and the thing that Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo said about there being more submissions. Absolutely true. Is so it? many more submissions. Maybe because without the glove then, yeah. right? And the yeah, padding. Huge. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I know. I've never watched it myself. I'll have to give it a watch or so. One thing I do wish they changed. I don't... It doesn't matter if it's UFC or like anything. I mean, I know they've sort of tried it in one. They need to sort out the weight cutting. I mean... Yeah. Because I think for a sport like that to really progress and... I mean, like you said, there hasn't been any major, like, maybe one, I can't remember, like, like a major fatality or like a, you know, anything like that because of weight cutting, but I uh, think... Sorry, when I hear the word fatality, I, I uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fatality. Yeah. But there hasn't, like, 
you know, to this point, there hasn't been, you know, much real danger in that sense. I mean, you've of course, you see the videos of people like struggling to make weight and things like that. But it just, you know, if you break it down to its most simplest sort of form, the fact that people are literally dehydrating their body 24 hours before a cage fight is like insane. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, they shouldn't be dehydrating their bodies yeah. at all. Like, yeah. full stop. Yeah. But you see, like... Obviously, you see Cyborg, you see like Aspen Lad, you see um, all these fighters. The but to me, if you're gonna highlight one uh, w- one uh, example of that that was in the mainstream is Dillashaw. You look yes. at Dillashaw going into that Cejudo fight, mm. and like to be fair, I still think it was an early stoppage, mm-hmm. but he was not well. Like even in the no. we- in the weigh-ins, and then even in the fight, he looked ill. Yeah. Like and and. If he hadn't, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that he should have taken the EPO at mm-hmm. all. Um, I think he should just not have gone down. Definitely not. Um, but you know, if he feels like he has to do that to make that weight, like, what are we doing here? Why? Why mm. are we? Why yeah. are we encouraging that? Um, you know, and he, his chin just wasn't there, and he, he he even said that he just felt like shit going into the fight. And it's mm-hmm. like these are world class athletes, mm. like. You're never going to feel 100% going into a fight, but why are we encouraging that? Yeah. And um, I think, for, sorry, from his point of view, like, and possibly even like the promotions, you know, he wanted to come down, he wanted to beat Cejudo, take the bout, become like two, two division world champion, um, which he was already, um, I'm assuming, already making weight, like, you know, cutting weight for um, bantamweight, right? Uh, yeah, he was, he, he, I think he walks around about 150. Yeah, so he'd have to lose a bit of weight for bantamweight as it is, but he probably just seen, you know, a 10 pound weight difference. It's just a little bit more of a challenge, like, yeah, I'll just try and, you know, dehydrate my body more or, you know, cut even more weight out. Like, it's, it, it's just not a sustainable way, I don't think, going forward for the sport. And I always say this, you know, I say this to anybody who have the discussion about, it's like, surely if you all just, you're all cutting a very similar amount of weight. Like, if you're bumped up to your normal weight, you're probably going to be within about five, ten pounds of each other anyway. Maybe five pounds of each other. Like, you know, some of the big guys who, you know, fight at 77 kilos but walk around at 90 kilos. You look at the 77 kilo division, I would assume most people are probably walking around, what, maybe somewhere like 87 to 92 range, roughly maybe. Like, some maybe a bit more, some maybe a bit less. I mean, I would hope there'd have to be some sort of, like, protocol, protocol put in place that fighters can't cheat, that fighters can't try and, you know... Because even I've heard with the one hydration test yeah, a little bit... Yeah, you know, um, a, fr- a mutual suspect. friend of ours was saying that um, the hydration tests are very easy to cheat. Mm. But that being said, I there must be something to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't use them. So mm. I think if you add that, mix it in with, like, day-of weigh-ins... Mm. I, one thing I didn't like about the British Open was it was, like, minute before <laughs> weigh-ins. I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> There's no going away for the British Open, like, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But, yeah. like, you know, morning of, like, let's say 10 a.m., you're going to fight at 6, mm. you know. So you can you can diet mm. or you can, like, I don't know, if you really want to starve yourself the day before, you can do that. Mm. But, like, that should il- eliminate the water cutting. But then a caveat to that is, you know, the, the weigh-ins as a whole, they like... You know, pe- people like to see the weigh-in as a, almost like a, a spectacle of its own. You know, you see it's the I last know. time these guys face off before they, they jump in the cage. And usually a day before as well, it builds up the excitement. I know, and I think combat sports fans need to grow the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, there's definitely better ways of doing it. I mean, maybe I was thinking this, like, you know, similar to how, like, 
they're, uh, you know, especially with the UFC guys, they're in like a USADA pool where they could get tested year round at any point. Yeah. Perhaps they get put into a pool for weight cutting as well. Yeah, yeah. And it may be something where they have to record their weight throughout the year so that they're not making massive weight cuts. You know, then you could kind of figure out, okay, like, you know, all these guys on average are weighing about this time. Okay, so once, you know, the 170 pound division needs to be bumped up to, say, 185. And everybody, you know, like Usman or whatever, okay, he's a champion there now and so on and so forth because I just feel like... If he, like, the more people, like, dehydrate and, you know, it's going to get extreme. You're going to see, you know, bad things happen to people at some stage. Yeah, and, 100%. you know, as people try and, you know, push to the extreme, push to get the maximum out of their, like, performance and yeah. get and, the and biggest also, edge. Like, uh, business-wise, how many fights have been cancelled because people didn't make away there you or go. something like mm. that? As we start to wrap up, um, you started coaching recently. Yes. How has that been for you? Yeah, yeah. So that's been good. Like it's all come around so fast actually. Like it only started, you know, in the in the sort of summertime before James had his before James had his uh, MMA fight. Um I think it, the first one I did was like a nogi session just covering for him. Um I was absolutely like bricking it, I'm not going to lie because yeah, it was remember like it. it was cool. Yeah, cuz it was like I walked in and it was a busy class, you know, you know, pretty much four mats. Um, some of the guys may not have seen me or like you know known of me um, and yeah I just I, I always knew that it was something I was interested in and I wanted to do it at one stage but I suppose I never thought this was going to be how it would, would be perhaps um, you know I don't really know how it was going to start but yeah it, it ended up coming about because of that and you know it started out as just covering for Nogi and then I think maybe covering some of like Raj's sessions Um and then now, you know, when lockdown you know, officially ended, then it became like, okay, well, there's, you know, a beginner program or, you know, just a couple of classes a week that we need you to cover, you know, would you want to do it? And I just thought, yeah, you know, I just jumped to the opportunity because I knew like, I think I felt like this was the right stage for me to start. And again, same thing. I've never really looked back since then. Yeah. Um, I mean, that first class I was there. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that first class. It was, yeah. it was also just, you know, as a mate, just nice to see someone mm-hmm. advance like that. Um, but also just in general, like it was a great class. So, yeah, you know, thank you. Yeah. you there. Yeah. Um, I do remember sp- seeing you before and then speaking to you after and you basically said what you just said. <laughs> um, it yeah. was, uh, yeah, that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's, you're very, very confident. Um, mm. And you almost... Um, I, I thought this when Raj started coaching more more full time. Mm-hmm. Um, you you, very, you offer something different. Going sort of going back to what you were saying earlier, you, mm-hmm. you as a coach offer something very different to what James would, what Raj would, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you you complement them very well. Yeah. Um, do you do you, do you feel like coaching is something you'd want to do full time if you could, or yeah. jujitsu as a whole? Yeah, it's definitely an area that like I don't discount. It's something I've thought about so much as well. Like I see a lot of people, um, you know, like a lot of people in Nottingham I train with, for example, they've started branching off and they've, you know, started doing their own schools and teaching full time off of that, making like a living from it, which is really good to see because it wasn't an avenue that was available, say even five, ten years ago. It was, you know, the opportunities were much less. And I think even now we're at a stage where, like, if we're just talking jiu-jitsu terms and not even, like, MMA or anything, you can, you know, it's not easy, but you can make a living from competing and from teaching and especially, like, merging the two together. So that's definitely something I've considered. Um, 
it's it, like and i do enjoy it as well i do genuinely enjoy it i think that's a big thing because sometimes you see competitors and people who just like jiu-jitsu in general try and make the transition to teaching it mm. and it is it's definitely different it's not there's things that i didn't expect that have, that have cropped up and i thought okay you know it's made me think a little bit more about it but um i'd say you know as the time's gone on and as i've taught more i have grown in like confidence and like ability um again i'd say like i'm far from like the finished product like i'm still learning myself and i don't know everything but um I think that's the thing with jiu-jitsu is like the key is you know it's like a you're just passing it on like a legacy from one person to another like you know I've had I've had people coach me and now I'm coaching like the next generation and hope you know one day I'll coach you know I'll coach them and they'll coach you know the next people and that's how it gets passed on you know that's how you know this sport sort of stays alive because if you don't have people who are like passionate and ambitious and you know want to learn and not everybody will be that's a great thing you have i think the b- benefit of jiu-jitsu which is slightly different to perhaps like striking mma is it may attract a more sort of casual like casual base of people who just want to come and want to train and want to you know maybe just make some new friends and want to do something with their time in the evenings and stuff so it is really good to see and um to be able to like teach that like it is i really like it and of course one day it would definitely be one of my goals to like open up my own academy um you know and again just continue teaching and you know <laughs> to like teach the next generation i suppose and show like what you know martial arts like show martial arts and you know let people uh learn from it the way that i've learned from it as a kid as well you know you know keeping keeping me channeled and keeping me disciplined so yeah it's definitely a possibility <laughs> I think that's a, that's a really cool way to finish the podcast. Yes. Um, thank you so much for that. Yes. Um, you can follow in Amrick on Instagram, uh, at Amrick Bizler, no spaces. Um, I'll link it down below on the YouTube. Uh, do you have a PT account yet? No, no, not yet. Um, but again, yeah, doing one-to-one sessions um, started like last month. So yeah, no gee, gee, whatever your level may be, whether you're looking to compete or whether you're just starting out and you want just like you know tailored individual like um support on your jiu-jitsu i can come and i can help you out and uh yeah we can we can start working get your level up nice is that just in coventry at the minute yeah so pretty much based out of lines gym so yeah awesome amrick thank you so much for coming on thank you amazing thank you thank you for having me great i look forward to having you on soon yeah yeah in the future cool that'll be cool have a good thank you